you have a chance to learn from someone who spent over 30 years in the real estate business. Do you want to get the most that you can possibly get out of an expert? Well, I've been compiling your questions on real estate for the past four weeks, and we're going to talk to Stephen Glick, a real estate expert from Chicago today, and he's going to answer every last one of them on this episode of The Inside BS Show. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for joining us today, and thanks for agreeing to be grilled about real estate. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having All right, me. So tell folks your background. It's really important that we that we explain the diverse background you have in real estate so that they understand that we're really talking to somebody who who knows what's going on. So you're not you're, you're a realtor. Obviously, uh, you know, you sell real estate, but you also have worked residential commercial as a developer. Tell people what your background is. Absolutely. So I started um, what I consider from the ground up. Uh, I started out renting apartments and helping people find uh, their first apartment out of uh, out of college. Uh, that sort of morphed into traditional brokerage sales, helping people with the buy and sell of residential real estate. From there, I got bitten by the developer bug, as many of us do, and started uh, doing development. And we started building residential condominiums and single family homes in the sh uh, city of Chicago and the suburban areas and uh, got back into uh, the construction realm uh, with helping clients now back in, in the buying and selling of residential real estate. And it, it's a big differentiator. Um, I look at the fact that I've lived that developer life and that construction life, it allows me to protect my clients, which is what I care about, both on the buy side and on the sell side. What do you think is the aspect of real estate that is first, the most fun for you, and second, the most challenging? Um, I think on the fun side, it's it's really the fact that people are entrusting me with one of the most uh, major decisions they're going to make in their life. Um, uh, oftentimes, it's happy occasions, uh, an additional uh, birth in the family, and they need more space. Other times, it's it's not as happy with estate sales and divorces, but ultimately, they're coming to an expert who can provide them guidance and help them find uh, their next their next home. Uh, it's it's a big uh, responsibility, and I take it seriously. Um, on the challenging side that you brought up, it is that. Um, the market has been very aggressive for the last 18 months, and I think that's made it very frustrating for many buyers. They feel um, that they're going in with their best foot forward and still not always getting the property that they hope to so give me give me some insider secrets. So we we got we have I, I mean I'm in Miami. It's a hot market. I talk to people in Chicago and New York all the time. Those markets are incredibly hot, and people are listing homes and they're they're selling above listing price. What do you do? So you you've got you show a family a house. They really really want the house, and they've only got a certain amount of money. Wait, give us some insider secrets about how to make that deal happen. Uh, okay, uh, great question. So, you know, there's there's many strategies you can use. Um, obviously, whether it comes to um, financing or waiving finance contingencies, um, another thing that we like to use is what we call an escalator clause. And what that escalator clause does is it gives the seller the opportunity to see your offer with an escalation. Uh, uh, for instance, let's say we go $2,500 higher than any other offer received up to uh, a a ceiling of 50000 above asking. Therefore, any other offer that comes in, our clients, my client, will beat that offer by 2500 5000 whatever the metrics are. 
And that's a differentiator. The other thing I tell people is the timing. If you've done your homework with a lender, with your bank, and you're in a position to make a bona fide offer, waiving things like your mortgage contingency and recognizing that you know you'll figure out a way to get the financing if that's the you know the direction you go, that's another one. There, there's so much competition out there that you, you just have to constantly differentiate yourself and, and again, put your best foot forward to try to win multi-bid situation. All right, now let's flip the script and you're, you're on the seller side and you do the walkthrough of the home, you know the neighborhood, and you say to the seller, man, this is this home is going to go quick if we price it right. And you're I'm sure this has never happened to you, Steve. You're sitting across the table and they want some outrageous number. <laughs> That's never happened, right? All the time, right? every time. <laughs> every time, constantly. What do you do? How do you, I, I know you think your home is worth this, but here's what it's really worth. Here's a home across the street that looks just like yours. I mean, what, what do you do to get them to embrace reality? You know, I think there's a couple of different strategies. Um, if it's something that's remotely close, we can sort of push in an aggressive market. If we're talking kind of the erroneous figure that it's just a number they dreamt uh, in the shower the day before, um, you know, you have to provide the guidance and, and, and sort of defer to the expertise. Um, you know, I, I educate people that I'm not in the business of wasting people's time, both on the sell and on the buy. Um, my job is, is to be of counsel. My job is to provide guidance. And, you know, I'm doing the marketplace and that seller a disservice if I sort of accept that responsibility at an inflated price. Now, I know some brokers will take listings at any price just in hopes to work the seller down. Nobody wants to see that in the marketplace. Typically, when you see a reduction in price, it's a question of what's wrong with the property? Why in a hot market would we need to reduce? Well, if you started out wrong in the beginning, it's unfortunately going to penalize you and make the property not look as attractive. Have you ever have you ever been in a position where you're kind of you're in a neighborhood and um, you you list a home in that neighborhood and maybe that they're a little bit aggressive with their listing price? You check out a few other you check out the other houses in the neighborhood. Maybe you you know you do a mailing or you you know put uh, put cards in the doors of other homes in the neighborhood, and then a couple of other homes decide they're going to sell with you, and you kind of make a market. Has that ever ha have you ever had that experience? Um, I've had it from the standpoint that we sort of entered the market you described and were successful with the first property. And that sort of brought the phone ringing to say, hey, I'm just at the corner. I'm just over in the next cul-de-sac and we'd like you to do the same thing you did for us. And then of course it's, can we do it at a higher yeah. price? Um, but that being said, yeah, sometimes it does happen that a neighborhood's quiet or a little dormant. One person starts a spark and they see a little success. And then all of a sudden circumstances are like, oh, we, we'd like you to do that for our, our relative down the street or our neighbor. And and yeah, sometimes it does bring activity. And, and so I, you know, I didn't I didn't just pull that that scenario out of thin air the other not the other day, a couple of months ago. I'm, I'm running in the neighborhood next to mine. There's a very long straightaway. So if you if you run and you want to do like a sprint, that's a, that straightaway is perfect because you can see cars for it's about a mile and a quarter straightaway. So I'm running on that straightaway and I see somebody putting up an open house sign and it's my buddy. He's a realtor. So I stop and I'm like, hey, who's whose listing did you get? And he tells me. So after I finish my run, I go to the open house. You know, I mean, I, I looked like garbage, but it didn't matter. Nobody else was there. And he's there with his with his wife, who's his partner. And they're like, you're going to be the only, sign in because you're going to be the only person that comes to this open house because they're asking such an outrageous price. 
So I invited them over uh, after the open house to, you know, to have some dinner and they came over and they were just talking about how, you know, they were there for a couple hours and nobody came by and this was a friend of theirs and he tried to talk them out of the high listing price, couldn't talk them out of it. And he's going to have to show them by, you know, there being no traffic, even, you know, in spite of the advertising they're doing and, they, and he had a whole advertising campaign set up. And he was kind of disappointed. Well, come come to find out, we're making dinner arrangements to go out to dinner with them two nights ago. And my wife asks about the house. And he's like, oh, you're never going to believe it. It sold for $10,000 more than the listing price. And so she puts me on the phone. I'm like, how did you do that? He's like, I didn't do it. He's like, as soon as we listed that house, the people on the other side around the corner, two of them listed their houses which were which were on the, the backs of their houses were on a lake and this other person's house wasn't and those two houses made the market so basically people were coming to look at all three and because those two houses were more expensive the house he listed first looked like a bargain and they actually were able to sell it <laughs> it's that's a great it's a great strategy and a good story <laughs> sometimes the, the the lesser price on the block is and the winner. so so i said to him i said i hope you got a lot of credit for it he's like credit the guy said i listed it too low <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Steve, talk about commercial real estate and how, uh, do you still do commercial and residential? You still do both? I consider myself kind of in the 80-20. Okay. Um, I do the commercial when it comes to apartment mm -hmm. buildings, multifamily. Um, that's an area that I have a lot of familiarity with. Um, so it does fall into the commercial realm and it's also a very, very hot product. Is it easier to do uh, commercial or I guess multifamily or is it, is it easier to do residential? Is there less emotion in the commercial space? I, I, yeah, to, to answer that question, yes. It, it's normally easier to do the commercial because the emotion's taken out of it. It's a numbers game. It's it's a leverage. It's an uh, owner occupancy or not owner occupancy. Excuse me. Uh, you know how much uh, how full a property is, uh, how much value add you can do to the property. Um, people are just looking at it from from numbers, and, and in this particular market, uh, everybody is chasing uh, multifamily because they're looking for diversification. Not everybody wants to be in the stock market, so real estate's become the popular topic for many. And, you know, if you can pick up a 12 unit building or a 20 unit building, it's it's sort of good for a portfolio. It's just competitive. Give us a give us a deal that you're particularly proud of. Uh, give us give us a commercial deal that you're that you're particularly proud of one where you either you pulled a rabbit out of a hat or you were able to make something happen for somebody that nobody expected. Um, well, it's not quite the success that your buddy had, but we we listed a multifamily property uh, in 2020, the end of 2020. And again, being here in Chicago, we definitely have seasons. So winter is not usually the, the ideal time, but again, it's, it's an investment. And we pushed the envelope, uh, knowing that the property was in a great location and it had been renovated, basically turnkey. And we expected that we had pushed the envelope too far. And January came around and we looked like we were in the wrong. And by the end of January, uh, multi-offer, over asking price, everybody dropping their contingencies, and it did close in February, about a month later. Wow, good for so you! It, it worked out for for all parties. What is uh, what, what what are some of your what are some of your concerns now? Are you are you worried about interest rates? Are you worried about the market cooling off? What what are some of your concerns related to the current market? Um, you know, I don't think the 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 emergency break will get pulled. I think we'll have maybe uh, a little bit of a normal marketplace, fast forwarding probably a year. Um, 
you know, historically, these interest rates are still a gift. And I know people get caught up in, you know, my friend got 2.9 and my other friend got 3.5. Why should I pay 4.25? You know, if you look at, if you look at the last 20 years of interest rates, to have anything in a 30-year fixed under 5% uh, is a gift and you should be patting yourself on the back and be very, very excited. Um, I don't think a little bit of an increase will uh, deter people. Um, I think in this new world that we've entered, unfortunately, with this pandemic and businesses starting to come back a little bit, but at the same time allow employees to work from home, that focus on how much space somebody has or doesn't have is going to be paramount. And they're going to make decisions accordingly with home offices and extra spaces for, you know, situations that they never thought they'd be in. And uh, I I think it will keep the market moving along. Um, The inventory, though, is a big thing. I, I think, you know, I've joked with many, I've been doing this for 30 years, but I'm really not a real estate agent. I'm a psychologist. That's what my job really is, is psychology. I've got to help people with the reality. And the description that you brought up was right on. You get into a multi-offer situation, you put your best foot forward, you do everything your broker tells you to do, and you come up third or fourth. After a while, even though it wasn't your broker's fault or karma or the weather or the Cubs winning or losing, it, it just is a circumstance of reality that it's supply demand. And some people do get very, very frustrated when you know you go round and round and submit four or five offers in the course of a month and come up yeah. empty. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, you know, related to your your interest rate commentary, my parents bought uh, the house that that I was, you know, that I, that I spent my early years in, like during the Jimmy Carter era, Carter era. And I think they their interest rate was like 17 <laughs> percent. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I started I, the, the first real estate transaction I did uh, as a broker was 1993 and I was doing deals with clients at about anywhere from 8.75 to 9.25. And that was on a five-year arm, an adjustable mm-hmm. rate mortgage where it's locked for five years and then resets. And people were buying and they were very happy to buy. And again, that's where a market was. And obviously from that time frame of 93 to present, uh, it's gone <laughs> a little different direction when people talk about threes, fours, and possibly fives down the road. So when you when you meet a like somebody like a younger person who's, you know, who's really motivated, they they like to hustle and they say they want to get into real estate, what advice do you give them? Um, I tell them it's a long journey. Uh, as a fellow runner, there's a big difference between running a 5K and running a half marathon or a marathon. Uh, anybody who's capable of sprinting the latter distances has got my uh, admiration. Most people recognize its pacing. And getting into the real estate business is just that. You're you're going to have to work uh, a lot of different angles. You're gonna have to build a a database of of friends and family. You're gonna have to rely on past clients once you develop those past clients. So I I think, you know, technology has actually helped a lot for people. There's a way to ramp up at a fairly quick pace. I've seen many brokers come in and and do extremely well. but it's, it's competitive and, and you know, I, I, I do liken it, uh, I know it's a passion for both of us, I do liken it to networking. If you join a network group and expect after three months or even six months that business is just gonna flow in, uh, you probably find out you have another thing coming. It really takes a long time planting seeds, getting people to understand the value you bring and then the rewards come. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question and I'm gonna give you a minute to think about the answer. So I want you to talk about um, give, give it, tell us a story about 
a really um, good deal that came to you through referrals or through a referral and how you developed that relationship, what it took to get the relationship to the point where the person either trusted you to help them buy the home or trusted you to help them sell the home or if it's a commercial deal, buy or sell the commercial deal. So take a minute and think about that while I let folks know that we are brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. For over 35 years, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors has been helping people save money on their taxes, get to the bottom of their numbers and helping them make sure that they're not either overpaying or overpaying the government or overpaying for a business. So let me give you a scenario. If you are looking to buy a business and you want to do your due diligence and you want to make sure that you're getting the absolute best deal possible, you need to go inside the numbers. So if you're going inside the numbers and you want to make sure that the financials are what they're supposed to be, you got to you got to know those numbers inside and out. And let's say that you're not an accountant. How are you going to make sure that the business is valued properly? Well, you call Sandrowski Corporate Advisors and when you call them, you'll find out that they've done this time and time again. This is one of the main things that they do. They focus on helping people get to the bottom of the valuation of their numbers. What what does that mean? It means they'll review the P&L statement, they'll review the balance sheet, they'll go line by line on the general ledger to make sure that everything is accounted for. And then they'll look at comparable businesses to ensure that the business that you're buying has really taken into account all of their expenses. You want to make sure you're getting the best deal possible. If you're investing a significant amount of money before you go to the bank or before you secure your financing, you need to give Sandrowski a call. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out to me, Dave Lorenzo, and let me know what you need help with from a business valuation standpoint. And I will connect you with Sandrowski to make Make sure that they give you the absolute best level of service. They've been doing it for over 35 years. They're a CPA firm with a different perspective. We're also brought to you by My Revenue Roadmap Guide. So if you're looking to build your own book of business, you want to have a relationship-based business development plan, you don't need to create a plan yourself. You can just take my plan and customize it for you and your business. Go to revenueroadmapguide.com. That's revenueroadmapguide.com. Enter your contact info. You can download my free business development plan. Same plan I use with my clients. You can download it for free. It's my gift to you for watching the show, for listening to the show. I appreciate you for being here. RevenueRoadmapGuide.com. Get your free business development plan right now. Okay, Steve. So tell us that story. Give us the, give us the, give us the, uh, the story that we talked about. So the one that comes to mind that I think uh, that I'm definitely proud of and, and, and was, a, was a, a credit to the hard work that I've done, um, I had a, uh, another broker uh, through a networking group that I'm uh, connected to uh, reach out to me from California and, into, you know, and basically interview me and say, look, I've got some clients who are relocating. It's not that typical that they come from California to Chicago winter, but it happens. And um, he said, look, these are these are clients I've been working with now for 15 years. They've done two or three transactions with me. It's it's very important for me to know that they're going to be in a, you know, a comfortable environment. 
So we went through the question and answer, and he felt comfortable enough to turn that opportunity over to me. I worked with the clients for uh, a little under two months and was able to find them a home. Um, it then took on a, a different level, and that's something that I really, really pride myself on. The home needed some renovation work, some updating. They relied on me for guidance and contractors, and with my background in construction of letting them know things that would make sense and things that wouldn't. They then needed some, they're not from here, they needed attorney help, they needed inspector help, they needed to understand the city of Chicago process when it comes to pulling a permit. All of this stuff was something that I understood and was able to convey to the buyers who were extremely appreciative. And then uh, everything got solidified last April when they took uh, possession of the property after the renovations were complete and uh, got to go over there for a housewarming and seemed to be very happy clients and made me no, happy. That's a great, that's a great story. You know, that is the, that's the story in, in my mind that really is the dream story for the realtor because you get to bring in other people who could potentially refer you business down the road. I mean, you're not, you're not thinking of that at the time. You just want the person who's going to provide the client with the best level of service. But you know, when you involve two, three or four people in, in one real estate transaction, that's two, three or four people that are going to be grateful to you and are going to be singing your praises and, you know, potential referrals could come down the road. So that's, that's a terrific story. That's a fantastic story. You know, one of the things I think that we need to stress to people is that process where the other realtor vetted you, it says a lot, a lot of good things about you, but it also says something good about the other realtor. Because a lot of times what you would see is, sure, I'll give you a name, or even worse, in my opinion, oh, I'm going to give you three names, right? Here are, here are three names of people in Chicago. Basically, you're, you're leaving those people to make three cold calls, right? But that realtor really did a service for those clients. And he said, you know what? I know someone and I'm going to call him and make sure I check it out. And he probably went back to them and said, Hey, I spoke to Stephen Glick. Here's what he said. Uh, here, here are some of the other transactions he's done. I asked him these questions and he gave me these answers. I really trust him. I think, I think he's going to be a good fit for you. That realtor, he may never see those clients again, but he really did the right thing, in my opinion. Like that's, that's the way I want people to, you know, refer me uh, when I'm looking for help. And he's going to get that somebody's going to pay it forward back to somebody's going to pay it back to him or pay it forward to him down the road. I, I, I love that story. I think that's, you know, it's an instructional story on how to take care of a client, even when, you know, you're, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing to gain for you. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I am a big believer in trying to sort of put a team together and not every client needs the team, but when they do, it, it's at least nice to have familiarity as well as some expertise in who's good in what area. And if you can provide that to a client, like you said, it's it's rewarding and, and they're getting help, which is the ultimate. Give us a day in the life of uh, Steve Glick. What is it? What is your what is your routine like? Um. Well, I'm, I'm a big uh, early riser. Uh, you referenced the word running, so that is a big thing for me. And I am one of the crazies that's out there 365. So you do, so you do, you run outside even in the winter in Chicago? No treadmill? I do. I do. Oh, no. you're do, a better, do, you're do a better like man the, than I am. Wow. Nope. I, I do not like the treadmill. I just, uh, it, there, there's, there's a whole bunch of names that you and I both know for it. And I'm not, I'm just not a fan. So uh, I'm not one to say, oh, I like it because it's so nice when it's freezing cold. I don't. I'm aware that it's freezing cold. 
but um, it, it's just sort of a, a part of my my deal. And um, typically, even in the winter, about three times a week, uh, twice on the weekends and once during the week, um, I just get out there and do it. And that's usually the start of my day. Um, there's no phone with me. There's no music with me. It's just sort of me and, and the city. Um, it allows me to clear my head. It allows me to think of the things that are important. And uh, then when I come back and sort of the reward of uh, some flavored water or Gatorade, um, you know, then I can at least go to the phone. And, and, and even then, I'm very uh, aware to not just jump into the email rabbit hole. Um, I know it's there. I know it's going to bother me at some <laughs> point, And I need to and I got to address it. But it doesn't have to happen at 645. Uh, the world, you know, uh, the career I chose does not involve brain surgery. So nobody is going to, to not make it through the day or the night uh, if a few hours pass. And, and it's something that's taken me a long time to react that way. Um, I was always the person, last thing I do is check the email at night and first thing. And, and then you're responding at five in the morning and now you've set a bad right. precedent, which is probably not the healthiest thing for your client or for you. So I've, I've really tried to break that habit and focus on me and, and uh, you know, really start my day with a clear head. No, that's great. I love it. Um, you know, tell us a story. Uh, there's, so there's somebody listening right now or somebody watching right now who just had a setback in business, right? They, they didn't get a deal they thought they were going to get. They, uh, they lost a big client. Something happened. Tell us a story about a time when you had a setback and you bounced back from it. Um, you know, give give that person who's listening who had a setback today and they're and they're running and they're listening to us right now or they're watching us before they go to work in the morning. How can they bounce back from a setback? How did you bounce back from a setback? So I, I have I have one front and center. So uh, uh, development's a big part of my business, representing developers here in Chicago with a lot of new construction that's going on across the country. Obviously, um, developers do change brokers for many different reasons. Sometimes it's the wind. Sometimes it's circumstance. Sometimes it just happens. So I had something that I thought was lined up and a uh, new construction opportunity. And at the last second, it was pulled away from me and given to another real estate agent. And I had to, you know, recognize pretty quickly um, that nothing's guaranteed. And that, you know, the fact that I sort of was already counting opportunity and not continuing to focus on future opportunity, um, it, it was a lesson learned. And it motivated me the rest of that day and the following day to start driving around and finding other opportunities because just because this particular builder felt the direction had to be changed, that's not the case for every. So to one of your listeners who, who lost a deal, there's another one out there that just requires uh, a little uh, tenacity and, and identification and then you'll be right back where you hope to be. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how it's, it's like hearing you describe that, like my palms are sweating while you're talking about it, because I'm thinking to myself, how many times did I get off the phone with somebody and count the money that I was going to make on that deal only to be dramatically disappointed and realize down the road when I, when I look at it in perspective, I didn't have the deal to begin with. I only had it in my head. I didn't have the deal actually. So, you know, my mindset is always the the call can be great. The meeting could be great. You know, until the money is in the bank, 
you you that that deal is just a dream and you got to keep chasing the next one and even when that money does come in the bank you always got to be going after the next one and learning from whatever happened in the last one whether you got it or you didn't get it that's that's got to you got to take something away from that to propel you forward um the most dangerous thing in the world is that you know that sense of you know optimism or oh my gosh i'm gonna get this and the reason it's dangerous is because if you well it's dangerous for two reasons if you don't get it then the huge disappointment and the emotional letdown is just crushing but even worse than that is oh i got this coming in and you start thinking about that and not doing what you should be doing to get the next one so i love that you said that that fired you up to go after the next one because it absolutely needs to it must fire you up to go after the next one and even if you landed that you should have still been fired up to go after the next one <laughs> absolutely and and i will say after about a year i did reconnect with that client and had a lengthy sit down uh, over a cup of coffee to sort of find out what I could have done differently or what the circumstances were. You know, sometimes it is out of our control and that means you didn't do anything wrong. It just didn't work out. Right. And that's okay right. well, too. And here's the thing. You don't know that client, you not getting that client may have been a good thing for you. That client may have prevented you from getting like five other deals that you were able to do as a result. So you never, you know, that's the other, I think that's a really big lesson, what you just said there. You never know the reason why the universe has taken one deal away from you to position you for something else. So you can't beat yourself up over the thing you didn't get because maybe you weren't meant to have it to begin with because you were meant to do other things. All right, so... We've talked about your uh, your morning routine. We talked about you know what you what advice you would give to a younger person. Now I want you to think about three things that people should take away from our time together. Three things that people should take away from our time together. I'll give you a minute to think about that. While I remind folks again that we're brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. If you want to reach out to them, their number is 866-717-1607. 866-717-1607. They're an accounting firm and they handle business valuations, litigation support, forensic accounting, risk management. They have a different perspective. Now, one of the areas that Sandrowski focuses on is on family office services. So if you have a family office, if you have a, a business that actually runs the investments for your family, Sandrowski can come in and make sure it's structured appropriately. You see, they wrote the book on family office services. They literally wrote a textbook on how to set up a family office. If you are someone who has accumulated through hard work a significant amount of wealth and you want to get a handle on some of the best investments around, you can join what's called a multifamily office. And a multifamily office is two, three, four, five families, five wealthy, affluent families who pool their money together for investment purposes. This requires a different structure, and Sandrowski has expertise in that as well. As I said, they wrote the book on it. So give them a call, 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. And also remember my Revenue Roadmap Guide. If you would like a business development plan, you want to grow your book of business, go to revenueroadmapguide.com, enter your contact info, and you can have a business development plan. The business development plan I use with my clients, you can have it for free. 
All right, Steve, what are the three things we want to take away from our time together today? Um, I, I think I would do it in this order. Um, tenacity is a necessity. That's just sort of an obvious business ethic that you just have to constantly keep churning. I think the never knowing what that next opportunity is going to lead to should be a motivator to look for that next opportunity. And then the third thing, which I try as much as I can, you gotta have fun and, and you gotta laugh at some of this stuff because we all get caught up when things don't go the way we want it, whether it's in personal or in business. Things we've learned, unfortunately, due to the pandemic is everything is too short. And if you can sort of compartmentalize things and recognize, let's just figure out ways to have fun. I understand there's there's time management, but there's got to be an element of fun as well. That's, that's All right, my take. Great advice, Stephen Glick. Thank you so much. If you want to reach out to Stephen Glick, he's a real estate expert in the Chicago area. I want you to call this number, 773-727-7879. Wow, there's a lot of sevens in your phone number, Steve. 773-727-7879. You can reach out to Stephen there. I'm also going to put his email address in the show notes so you can send him all the email you want. I'll put his bio in there too so you can take a look at that. Stephen, it's an absolute pleasure having you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for enlightening us and sharing your story with us today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Inside BS Show. We'll be back here again tomorrow with another episode of our show. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.